0: Ezekiel, we're going to go to chapter 47, um, Ezekiel chapter 47, and um, <clears throat> I'm going to be preaching today under this title, The Most Important Thing in a Christian's Life. The Most Important Thing in a Christian's Life. And, um I'm stirred today in my spirit. Uh, The Lord has been taking me personally through a process of unsettling over the last few weeks, and I'm stirred for our church. I'm stirred for the things that God is doing, and we have been seeing God do some great, great things. God is doing great, great things uh, at Branches Church, and I'm so thankful for what the Lord is doing. I'm very thankful for what the Lord is doing. I'm thankful for what he, what he continues to do. And when I pray, I can see where God is leading us, and it's exciting. It's really exciting to me. It's exciting to see the lives that are being touched um, through Branches Church. And this year, very much a stark contrast to to last year. It seemed like we were all just hanging on, right, trying to survive, um, but and trying to stay connected as well as we could in, in very terse circumstances. But I'm excited about what God's doing. The lives that will be changed, the miracles that are going to happen, the people who will come to know Jesus, the people that will be baptized in Jesus' name, the people that will be filled with His Spirit here in Branches Church. I'm excited about all of that because we can see the sprinkling of what God would do through Branches Church, in our community. And I'm, that just, it excites me. It lights me on fire. And I want more of that. I want to see God do more. I'm, I'm excited, but at the same time, I'm not satisfied. Those can be two very different things. You can be excited about something, and at the same time, not be satisfied with everything. And I want more of what God intends to do. If we would have... God do great miraculous wonders in our presence if we would like to experience more than what we've been experiencing we would like more than good church we would like more than good worship music and I like all of those things if we would like more than good fellowship all the good things we celebrate now that we have if we would have more of what God offers it's not going to just happen. It's going to require a commitment and a sacrifice. not just any sacrifice and not just any commitment. It is on this subject of the commitment and sacrifice that a Christian must make in their life to see the great supernatural things of God that I'm going to preach on this morning. I' going to preach on prayer. And if you're interested in experiencing those things, I want to invite you to help me preach this morning because I know prayer is one of those things where it seems like we've heard everything we can hear about it probably, but God has been moving me and stirring me to preach on prayer. I don't know how long I'm going to preach on prayer. I mean, I know how long I'll preach today on prayer, but I don't know how many weeks I'm going to preach on prayer, but I am going to be preaching on prayer. And if you'll agree with me, get on board with me, would you clap your hands to the Lord? We're going to go to Ezekiel 47, 1 through 9, and I just want to share some principles with you about prayer, and I want to talk about the laws of prayer. Ezekiel 47, 1 through 9 reads like this, then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the front of the temple faced east. Water was flowing from under the right side of the temple, south of the altar. He brought me out by way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gateway that faces east. And there was water running out on the right side. Notice water everywhere. Water, water everywhere. When the the man went out to the east with the line in his hand, he measured 1,000 cubits, and he brought me through the waters, and the water came up to my ankles. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through the waters. The water came up to my knees. Again, he measured 1,000 and brought me through. The water came up to my waist. Again, he measured 1,000, and it was a river. That I could not cross for the water was so was too deep water in which one must swim a river that could not be crossed. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he brought me and returned me to the bank of the river. When I returned there along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region goes down into the valley and enters the sea when it reaches the sea its waters are healed now the sea here that's being discussed it's the dead sea that's the dead sea and we know that because of uh, verse 10 if we read on but we're going to stop at verse 9 it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go will live There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Ezekiel, uh, what we're reading here is Ezekiel having a vision. He's having a vision in prayer, and a spiritual guide comes to him and takes him on a tour of new Jerusalem, and it starts way back, if you were to read the entire thing, it starts way back in Ezekiel chapter 40, and then it ends in the very last chapter of the book of Ezekiel. But you'll notice the centerpiece of the portion of scripture we read is a river that flowed, and it flows from the temple into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea gets its name from the fact that it is so filled with minerals that nothing can live in it it's overwhelmed by salt and minerals no no animal can drink from it it's it's in a sense it's bitter water it's not usable we've found many valuable things from it but it's not the water that's usable in the sense of sustaining life it's made bitter by having so many minerals and so much salt but this river flowed from the house of the Lord until it emptied into The Dead Sea. And when the water of the rivers emptied into the Dead Sea, those bitter waters were healed. They became valuable again. They became something that brought life. Bringing life back into the sea and bringing life along the banks of the river. But there were so many trees that Ezekiel took note of it. Verse 9 says, It shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the rivers go, Will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because these waters go there, for they will be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Now, for you and I, the river represents the Spirit of God. Over and over, there are some things in Scripture that you see referenced rivers, waters. They represent blessings of God. They represent life. They represent the Spirit of God, the life-giving Spirit of God. In Revelation, John saw the river flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, a pure river, the river of life. Jesus said that rivers of living water would flow out of the heart of believers. And John wrote in verse 39, of chapter 7 in John, that that river that was being referenced, the rivers of living water, that was the Holy Spirit. This he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Aren't you thankful that Jesus has been glorified and that that river has been given? The Spirit has been given. What a beautiful Thing, but the, understand this if the river of God flowing into a dead sea can produce life and healing, what can the Spirit of God do when it's flowing in our lives? What can it do when it's flowing in your life? What can it do when it touches the places in your life that need healing, that need blessing, that need miracles? What can the river of life do when it flows? In your life, but notice where the river flowed from. Ezekiel was led on a tour of the entire city, from the high mountains outside the city to the gates to the walls. He toured the city with his spiritual guide, and they arrive at the house of God. And it was there that the river flowed. It flowed from the church, that's where it flowed from. It didn't flow from the sports arena. It wasn't found coming from the king's palace or some government building it doesn't flow from a business it's not in the marketplace it's not coming from the economic center of the city it only flows from the house of God and if you're going to get into the flow of what God is doing it's only going to happen in his house you can get in at the source you can find the answer but it's only going to happen at the house of God it's not going to be in economics it's not going to be in politics it's not going to be in any other answer that the world offers that's not where life is found life is found at the house of God that's where it starts that's where the flow issues from and that's where it starts and then arrives in the dead places and brings life notice Ezekiel started out in ankle deep water and as he went the water got deeper to his knees to his waist until it became waters to swim in a river that could not be crossed and i found in our relationship with god that's exactly how it should be it should be that the spirit of god in our life should grow and grow and take up more space and depth until we are carried by the river the river taking you where you should be going for what is best For you, trusting God enough to just go with the flow of what he is doing. Paul warned us not to quench the Spirit. Don't stop the flow. Don't limit what God is trying to do. You just trust God and you get into the flow and you let the river take you wherever it's going to go because there's life in that river. He said we should be led by the Spirit. The only way to enter into the flow of what God is doing is through prayer. It all starts in prayer. It's not in just singing a song of worship. It's not in faithful attendance. It's not in reading scripture over and over. You can be super familiar with scripture and have no relationship with God whatsoever. It starts in prayer. That's the only place that you can get into the flow of what God is doing. It's the only place where you take your will and you bend it and mold it to the will of God and find what He wants to do in your life. It must happen and start in prayer. Repentance happens in prayer. Entering into the kingdom of God happens in prayer. Prayer is the most important thing in a Christian's life. It is the most important thing in Branches Church and it needs to be the most important thing for us God's been directing me toward prayer preaching on prayer and he's calling this church to a deeper sacrifice of prayer last year prior to last year we had regular meetings of prayer and we obviously for obvious reasons we we stopped they were well-intentioned reasons just being cautious but we're going back to it Prayer must happen at the house of God. I would rather we stop every other program i would rather that there be no children's church children's sunday school no youth class no worship singing nothing if there's not going to be prayer prayer must be the thing prayer has to continue we can't do anything without prayer because it's out of prayer that god moves god moves through prayer in his people and in his church jesus said let my house be a house of prayer not a house of singing not a house of worship not a house of a house of prayer that's what he said it had to be he didn't say a house of charity a house of handouts he said it had to be a house of prayer listen prayer works and his people are a people of prayer branches church is a people of prayer and so this saturday we're going to be having prayer and i'm praying for a breakthrough i'm expecting a breakthrough i've already been there with god and i'm expecting god to do great things it's been too long since we experienced the miracle It's been too long since someone was baptized in Jesus' name. It's been too long since someone was filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in other tongues. It's been too long. I'm not satisfied. You're not satisfied. We want more. We want to go deeper. We're not called to sit idly by and wait until conditions are right for God to move. That's not how the kingdom of God works. We're called to prayer, and God moves in our prayer. Let's talk about the laws of prayer because there are laws that govern nature. God gave laws for everything. There are laws that govern the growth of trees. There are laws that govern how animals are reproduced and how they grow. All of nature has laws. If I take one of these wristbands and I throw it at Cole, that's a terrible throw. terrible throw I was going to throw the next one to Shannon but she's way in the back I don't think can't hit him on the second row I'm not sure I'm going to attempt that back row and now I'm questioning if I should try again because it'd just be real embarrassing if I throw a second one over there and he (laughs) yeah when I throw that to him I have to make a judgment call of how high I should aim because we know that anything that's tossed and thrown, there's a law that says it's going to fall. It's going to come down because gravity takes hold and brings it down. That one's better. I'm still not trying to throw it to that back row. There are such laws that God has placed that govern natural things but there are also laws that God has placed that govern spiritual things Galatians 6 and 7 tells us do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap the natural law is if you reap if you sow corn you're going to reap corn if you sow barley you will reap barley if you plant uh, tomato seed you're going to eventually have a tomato plant if you plant an oak an acorn you're going to have an oak tree if you sow it that's what you're going to reap whatever a man sows that he will also reap and this is a blessing but it's also a curse because if you sow bad things you're going to reap bad things but if you sow good things you will reap Good things. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap the works of the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap things of the Spirit. And if you sow plentiful, you will reap plentiful. But if you sow just a little, then you will only receive a little. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will also reap. And if you sow in prayer, you will reap a harvest of God. God cannot and will not ignore prayer. So Galatians 6 and 9 goes on and tells us, let us not grow weary and while doing good for in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Don't get tired. Don't get weary of what you're sowing. You Just keep sowing because eventually there is going to be something that you will reap. God will reward those who have sown in tears and in prayer. That's what God does. And so that family member that you've been praying for, that you've been fasting for, that you want them to come to God and have a miracle happen in their life, you say, God, they're so far from you. I'm telling someone, you just keep praying. You keep sowing because one day there will be a harvest that comes because God has promised it. That's the first law. First law is that if you sow, you will reap. The second and third law are found in Matthew 21, 19 through 22. It says, seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it. This is Jesus. Found nothing on it but leaves. And said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? Jesus answered and said to them, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. Whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. He said you can ask. You ask anything, but you have to believe. That's the second law. You have to believe. You can't ask in doubt, and you can't sow in doubt. You have to sow in belief. And you have to ask in belief because you never receive anything in doubt. You only receive it when you believe. You have to believe God for what you're asking him for. James 5, 16 and 16 through 18 says, confess your trespasses to one another, pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What's he saying there? He's saying the person who, Who prays intensely, believing their effective prayer. Listen, effective prayer is not always the most beautiful prayer. It's not flowery words of speech. It's getting down and just saying, God, do this. I need you, God. I need you to move. It's a fervent and intensity prayer of a righteous person. And he said, that avails much. And he goes on and says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would could not rain and it did not rain on the land for 3 years and 6 months he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit you say i'm not like elijah james is saying he was just like us he was just like you he was just like me he was like every one of us oh i'm not elijah That's fine. Make that your excuse if you want to. You may not be Elijah, but you pray to the same God or you can pray to the same God. So when you pray, you trust God and you believe with everything inside of you. You cast doubt off to the side because there is a law that says if you're going to pray, you have to pray with no doubt. You have to pray believing and trusting God that he will do what he can do when he hears your prayer. The third law is found in that same portion of Scripture in Matthew. That's a law that should excite every one of us. The third law is this, that natural law cannot withhold the results of spiritual laws. How did the fig tree wither away so soon? I'll tell you how. Prayer. That's what he said. He said Prayer. The fig tree in the mountain, when you pray in faith, when you speak in faith, they have to respond. Natural law cannot inhibit God. The power of prayer is that in prayer, God gave a place for changing even the laws that he put in place. Something happens when you touch God with your prayer. That effective, fervent prayer, it moves God and he'll ignore even his own barriers to answer that prayer the power of prayer we take prayer too lightly sometimes but prayer can change things it's not limited by the natural when you pray in faith the fourth law of prayer james said this he said first you don't pray when you do pray you pray selfishly the fourth law of prayer is this that selfish prayer is wasted prayer. Jesus never prayed for himself. His only prayer for himself that we can find in scripture was about doing the will of God. He said, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, your will. But James said, whenever you ask, you ask amiss. He said, first you don't ask, but then whenever you do ask, you're asking for the wrong thing because it's for your selfish." Pleasure. When Satan tempted Jesus, it was all about self. Satan's temptation was all about himself. He said, You turn this stone to bread. You feed yourself. Self. He said, Worship me and I'll give you all of this. I'll make you a king here. Self. If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down. The angels will save you. Save yourself repeatedly jesus rebuked him and said get behind me it's not about self it's about god matthew 6 and 5 he said when you pray you shall not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men assuredly i say to you they have their reward you can receive your reward from god In private, that's a powerful thing. In private prayer, when God rewards you, he'll reward you openly. But if you just want to be seen, that's the reward itself. God will reward you when prayer is not about yourself. And the call of the Christian is and has always been one of self-denial. That's the problem with American Christianity. It's not about self-denial. It's about self-fulfillment. That's the problem with American Christianity. It's not about self-denial. It's about self-fulfillment. What's in it for me? Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow me. Follow me. The turning point in Jonah's life Most of us would say it came in the belly of a whale. He repented and he turned. That's not where his life turned. His life turned on a boat in a storm in the middle of the ocean. And it wasn't just because the storm of life came to him. It turned when Jonah said, I'll sacrifice myself to save everyone else. He said, the reason you're in this The reason this storm has come, the reason the problems are hitting this boat, it's not because of any of you, it's because of me. And if you'll throw me overboard, if you'll sacrifice me, you'll be saved. He sacrificed himself to save those people on the boat. Prayer is the sacrifice of self on the altar of God. That's what prayer is. If our prayer only goes as far as asking God over and over and over to fulfill my need, to meet my need, to do for me, then God is not the God of our life. He's just the machine we put the quarter of prayer into and ask to get something in return. Prayer is the sacrifice of self on the altar of God. And this last law of prayer that I want to end with for this sermon is one of the greatest lessons on prayer that Jesus ever taught and could ever teach any one of us. It's the greatest lesson he ever taught his followers, and it happened in the garden of Gethsemane. Many of us are familiar with this. He said to them, you sit here and I'm going to go over here and I'm going to pray. And he prayed with so much intensity, wrestling, With the will of God that great beads of sweat developed like drops of blood falling from his face. He wrestled with the will of God. He said, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. It was the most intense moment of his life and he prayed. That's what he did. And you can pray in the most intense moments of your life. Prayer should be the first thing you turn to. It should be the thing you run to. Time with God in prayer. His back was against the wall. He was rejected by his own people. He came to his own and they did not know him. And now he is facing a cup of sin full of the worst sins, the drags of humanity. Every rape, every murder, every lie, every sin would fall on him on that cross. He was facing the betrayal of Judas he was coming to the betrayal of his followers and about to suffer the most intense physical pain that a human could endure being arrested and tortured and Peter pulling out a sword to defend him he said no it's not with a sword you put the sword away that's not how we're going to fight this battle facing all of that Jesus prayed And when Peter pulled that sword from its scabbard, cut off a soldier's ear, he said, Peter, if you live by that sword, you will die by that sword. But notice the next thing he says in the book of Matthew, verse 52. Excuse me, verse 53. He says, do you think that I cannot now pray to my father, And he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. Do you think even now, we're not going to fight this with a sword. I may go to the cross and die, but even right now, if I pray, legions can come to my defense. The greatest lesson he ever gave and the greatest law written about prayer is this. It's never too late to pray. Even now, when I'm facing death, I could pray. Even now, when I'm being arrested, I could pray even now when everyone's leaving me I could pray in the last moment I could pray and God can respond it's never too late to pray wherever you are and whatever you're facing it's not too late to prayer it may be like may seem like it's gone and there's no opportunity to regain it but it's never too late to pray it's never going to be a day where it's too late to pray your family may be falling apart it's not too late to pray your children may be far from God it's not too late to pray your husband may be running out on you it's not too late to pray your wife may be giving up on the marriage it's not too late to pray you may be at odds with your brothers and your sisters and your parents it's not too late to pray there's always opportunity as long as you can open your voice as long as you can open your mouth and breathe air across your vocal cords and utter a prayer it's never too late it does not matter what it looks like it doesn't matter what you're facing it is never too late to pray it's never too late we have got to be a prayerful people We have to make prayer the first, the priority. There are many things in Scripture that are a priority, but prayer is first of all. And prayer does not always come easy. Sometimes it takes commitment, it takes sacrifice, it takes setting a part of the portion of the day aside, it takes planning, it takes being uh, intentional with getting in the presence of God. It doesn't just Happen, And if it is a prayer that only just occasionally happens, it's a prayer of God, help me now. It's not a prayer of God, what is your will? Let me do your will. It changes. When you're intentional about prayer, the purpose and the intent of the prayer changes because it becomes less about you and more about what God is wanting to do. It becomes intentional. It becomes selfless prayer. It becomes prayer that is all about God's will in your life. We must have prayer. I've said this before that prayer, prayer, God is the engine. But prayer is the fuel that he uses. Whenever it goes in the engine, it makes things happen. Prayer. Makes things happen, and so I'm calling us to a season of prayer. I know it's summertime. I know that it's busy. I know there are less, more convenient times. I know all of those things, but I want us to be a church of prayer. And I have felt stirred in my spirit for some time that we need to go back to having a church-wide corporate prayer. And we need to get back to praying together, bearing one another's burdens in prayer. We do that in life group and I love it, but there's more. If we could have prayer all the time, I would love for us to have prayer all the time. And one day it will happen. We're gonna be a church about prayer. The leaders must pray and the saints must pray. The children need to learn to pray and the youth need to be taught how to pray. We have to be a people of prayer that is the most important thing in a christian's life is prayer 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 and prayer is not just reciting some pre-written word prayer is getting in the presence of god and bearing your heart letting his presence and his spirit change you to live his will jesus in gethsemane praying wrestling with the will of god what was he doing he was taking his desire, a natural desire that we all have to escape suffering. And he was molding his will to match the will of the cross. That's what he was doing. God, help us, Lord, to find your will. Help us, Lord, to be selfless in prayer praying for others, praying for our loved ones, praying for the people in our community, praying that something great would happen through us in this city. I'm convinced, I'm convinced that the revival we want to happen is only going to come through prayer. Would you pray with me? Lord, you see every person here. God, you've seen every time that we've, pushed prayer to the side and we've not given in to the urging call for us to turn our ear toward heaven and to hear from you and to pray your will be done God I pray Lord that you would help us God to stir up in ourselves a hunger for prayer time to be with our Lord and Savior in prayer to see great great things happen Visions happen in prayer. Revelation comes in prayer. Miracles flow from prayer. Deliverance happens in prayer. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us, that you would help us. Amen, amen. If you're going to be a person, you're ready to commit yourself to prayer. I know you are. Would you stand with me? We're going to get ready to take a moment of prayer. I just want to give us an opportunity to do exactly what i've been preaching about today and pray maybe you've got something specific that you want to pray about maybe you have some family member you've been praying for that god laid them on your heart again so again so again there's a harvest coming maybe there's some need something you've been facing some family member that needs a touch so